Hello, hello, hello. Hey, what's up? This is a 20% podcast with John and Janae. And this podcast is brought to you by NOAA's Diversity and Professional Advancement Working Group. Yep, and basically what we're going to do, we're trying to create community, build relationships, and just share common experiences amongst NOAA's 20%. We'll also engage in narratives that provide exposure to NOAA's diversity and inclusion vision and back to strategic goals set forth by NOAA's Diversity and Professional Advancement Working Group. Yep, so we're going to have a lot of hot topics, you know, we're going to have a lot of great discussions, so yeah, just stick with us and just... Find out what we're going to, you know, talk about in the next few minutes. Listen up, listen clear. Yep. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 20% Podcast. Which and Janae Elkins. And again, we're meteorologists at the National Water Service yep. office in Jackson, Mississippi. And we're doing this podcast as a part of the Diversity and Professional Advancement Working Group. And today we have our first guest. This is the second episode of our podcast, but we have our first guest today. And we have Dr. Danae Carlos. And Dr. Carlos was one of the initiators of the Diversity and Professional Advancement Working Group. We're going to have a great conversation with him today uh, about uh, a lot of things. So Dr. Carlos is the program manager currently for EPIC and NDTPS. You want to tell us a little bit more about, you know, what you do with NOAA? Yeah, thank you, John and Janae, for inviting me. I'm really excited to be one of your first guests on the 20% podcast. Um, I think this is a great way to get information out, to share our personal stories, and to uh, reach a broader audience. And so I I'm just really want to say thank you to you two for putting this all together. And, you know, I've been at NOAA for 18 years, uh, coming up in August. Uh, it'll be 18 years. And wow. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had a multitude of jobs and positions around the agency. And my current position is that I'm a program manager for the Earth Prediction Innovation Center and for the Next Generation Global Prediction System program. Uh, so I have two programs uh, that I that I work on. Uh, Epic is a new program uh, established by Dr. Neil Jacobs. Uh, who is the current acting NOAA administrator. Uh, and that program is really to bring community, the broader research community, closer to NOAA's modeling efforts. Uh, so we want to see uh, researchers from other academic institutions uh, outside of the current ones that we currently work with within the agency to come and work with us, as well as uh, the private sector uh, to come in and work with us on uh, numerical model development. And so we're, we're currently in the process of uh, putting together uh, model releases uh, where we are going to uh, put out those codes uh, available to the public um, so that they can actually use them for their own research purposes. And if we can, if they can use that for their research purposes, then we can use it for operational uh, modeling pur purposes and producing better forecast products uh, to uh, enable societal benefits. Oh, that sounds dope. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So right now we want to talk about, you know, uh, the broader audience or, or, or a lot of America thinks we all come from the same monolithic background, <laughs> you know, the inner city, uh, we all come from the same inner city yeah. project or whatever. So I, I want to give you time to, uh, to talk about where you're from. I know you're from 
from knowing you, I know you're from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and recently we there's been a lot of discussion around Tulsa. So I want to give you time to talk about, you know, your background growing up in Tulsa and, you know, what led you to choose an HBCU because you went to Howard. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your background in Tulsa. Sure, man. Tulsa. I'm excited to talk about Tulsa. I, I'm, I am proud to be from Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, because I, I grew up uh, what is called on the north side of Tulsa which is a predominantly black African-American side of the city. Um, I wouldn't say Tulsa is country or anything like that. It's just a, it's a small city uh, like a Austin or, or like a Kansas city or something like that. And so when you, when you grow up in kind of an area uh, that is predominantly black, you of course um, have certain stigma t- stigmas kind of associated with who you are because of where you come from. And for me, it was yeah. important that I kind of fight those, you know, stigmas that people would put yeah. on people from right. uh, north, the north side of Tulsa. You know, I, I, yeah. I heard growing up, you know, nothing good comes out of North Tulsa. I heard that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. people that go up, grow up in the north side of Tulsa don't go to great schools and, and those kind of things. And yeah. for me, I made a I made a choice to not necessarily be a statistic, uh, but to to really, yeah. you know, focus in on my education. I have a couple of stories I can tell you where, you know, I, I made, <laughs> I made yeah, conscious go decisions in, in, to, to, to be more focused on my education. And one of the first stories I remember is, you know, growing up at four years old, you know, I used to ask my aunt uh, to go to football and basketball games with her uh, to this high school called yeah. Booker T. Washington High School. It was a historically black high school uh, growing up, established in 1913, but in the 70s, it integrated and it was a, it became a, a magnet yeah. school where they wanted to, when I say they, I'm talking about the city of Tulsa, wanted to create a school. Of course, the school is on the north side of Tulsa, historically mm-hmm. black school, where they wanted to integrate that yeah. particular school. So they, they basically created a magnet school system where people had to apply and to, to actually, you know, they, they set it up where you, there was a quota system. Yeah. It was 50% black and 50% white. And yeah. so when you when you wow. go to a school like that and, you know, aspire to go to a school like that, because even before integration, Booker T was known for its uh, its athletic prowess, its academic prowess. It was known yeah. for being a great institution of higher learning. And so, you know, at the age of four, many of my cousins went to school there. Um, I used to ask my aunt to go to to go with her to football games because that was where you, that's where, you, you know, most people on the North side, that's where we, we strive to attend in terms of yeah. that school. And so, yeah. you know, at the age of four, I knew where I wanted to go to school and I did everything in my power to make sure from an educational standpoint that I would actually be able to get in because you had to, you had to have the right, you know, grades to get into right. the school. And then, and then the second story that I'll share with you is, you know, the, when I was 14, I remember, you know, going out with my, with my brother, my older brother, he's like 12 years older than I am. And so he, he was out working, we were out cutting grass and I mean, it was hot. And I mean, it, it was like 105 in the sun. I mean, in the shade basically. And, yeah. and I remember telling him, 
you know, I said, I was like, Tony, I, I said, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I said, I, I'm, I'm tired. It's too hot out here. I want to mm-hmm. work inside. Yeah, you know, I want to. Fo- I'm, I'm gonna focus on my education. I'm, I'm not gonna do. I'm not. I'm done cutting anybody's grass. I'm gonna have somebody cut my grass for yeah. me when I get older. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being from Mississippi, I know that he. Oh okay. my goodness! <laughs> yeah, and, and it just reinforced everything that I had really worked for. I was like, this isn't what I want to be doing. You know, when I'm in my 30s, I don't want to, you know, earn a living, you know, by cutting people's grass. And so I was like, I need to focus on my education. And and so that was the second story. And then the the last story is that, you know, when I was 16, you know, you you grow up, you don't necessarily have a lot of people in your life that has that have gone gone off to college or anything like that. And most of my siblings hadn't gone off to college. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, my mom asked me when I was 16, like, what what do you just what do you plan on doing when you're um, done with high school? And, I, you know, the only thing I really knew about college is that it costs money. And I knew that we did not have that kind of money for me to go to college. And so in some sense, you know, I had kind of gotten back into my um, into a, in a, into a state of mind where, you know, I didn't necessarily believe in myself and, and my mother, she put that question to me to, to make me start to think really hard about who I am and who I want to be. And so when she, when she asked me that question I told her, you know, I, you know, I'm gonna go get a job. I'm, I'm, I got a really good grade so I can get a really good job. Yeah. Um, I just didn't know if I could really go to college because it was, it was really expensive. Mm-hmm. And so she said, you know, God will make a way. If you, she said, you have a 3.5 GPA. Why are you even thinking? Of, why are you not even not thinking about going to college? And, and so she basically yeah. called me a big dummy and, and, so, <laughs> and told me that I need to, I need to figure out a way to get to college and that God would make a way. And after that, it just kind of released me because, you know, my mom was a single parent and I felt it was like my responsibility to help take care of her and help take care of my my younger Mm -hmm. sister. And, you know, after that, um, it it opened me up to all kind of possibilities. So I had a opportunity to meet someone from Howard University. He was part he was a graduate of my high school, but he went off to D.C. to go to Howard University Mm -hmm. and. And so yeah. when he came back and he was talking about Howard University this, Howard University that, you need to come visit Howard <laughs> University. It's the Mecca. It's the best, yeah. it's the best college. Yeah, yeah it's the best a little college bit, huh? in, you know, a historically black college in the nation. And so, you know, for me, I, I'm big on, um, you know, knowing your roots and all of those kind of things. So I didn't think about going yeah. to a predominantly white institution I wanted to go to a historically black institution so I, I if yeah. I wouldn't have gone to yeah. Howard I would have went to either Langston University or I would have went to Jackson State University those were the two mm-hmm. other places that yeah. I that I was considering um and so what ended yeah. up happening is I went out to Washington DC because he invited us out so he could show us the university yeah and I, I just fell in love with yeah. him and I, I I hadn't seen that many educated black people and talented black people in all in one space yeah so that really inspired yeah. me and it, it it helped me to of course believe in myself even more uh, because i wanted to to do something with my life other than just graduate from high school 
Yep, Howard definitely is a, a, a very special place, almost as special as yeah. Jackson State. But you know, a little time I did spend <laughs> there over over a summer. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. it's very. And I've special. been to Jackson State many but, times. Yeah. Did you have any? So, <laughs> even when I was in, even when I was in high school, I went to Jackson State many times, and yeah. I was in the marching band, and so I, two of my best friends uh, played in uh, Jackson State uh, Sonic Boom, and I would have okay. I would have went with them, uh, but Howard kind of kind of. Just kind of grab my attention a little yeah. bit more. Maybe a better deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, I know I remember one one experience I had in high school, and, and like you, I went to a mostly back high school. We had you know two Caucasian teachers in the whole school, and great grades and everything. I had great grades, good ACT scores, and had a full scholarship. You know to go to Jackson State and play football. But just one of the teachers, you know, one of the white teachers, pulled me aside and told me pretty much that I was too good to go to Jackson State. And this is a guy who, you know, was, you know, good friends with my dad because my dad was a teacher at school. And my dad went to Jackson State. So that got me to thinking, like, you know, you think my dad didn't go to a great school? No, a lot of teachers at the school went to Jackson State and HBCUs. But he told me, you know, don't waste your time going to, you know, an HBCU. You're too smart for that. And I just, that just set with me the wrong way. And it kind of really pushed me to go to an HBCU. So did you have any you know, experiences like that? Any pushbacks or somebody saying you're too smart to go to Howard or you're too smart? No, to no, I, did, I didn't have that. I was more so I was really good in the books. You know, I, I can study and I yeah. can focus in. I could take tests. I wasn't as good on like the ACT, SATs and those kind of things. And so I wouldn't I didn't have the highest ACT scores. And so when when you when you think about yeah, when you think about that, you know, you you have to balance, you know, who getting into a particular school with what your particular ACT score is. And so for me, Howard was like right there for me in that space where you know, I could have went to, yeah. you know, a, a different school, but like to me, Howard was yeah. my Harvard. And so that yeah. and HBCUs continue to, you know, provide those opportunities for a lot of students. You know, they don't take, you know, ACT scores and higher account in some other schools and give opportunities to people. I know a lot of people who score, you know, had trouble in uh, high school on those standardized tests, but have PhDs now from HBCUs and went on to other schools and obtained PhDs after, you know, starting yeah. out in HBCU. So they continue to, you know, provide that for us in the African-American community and, and, and the community as a whole. And if you ask me, did, did I think I was going to actually be able to obtain a, a PhD um, when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, I would have said, heck no. You know, I would have been happy to get my bachelor's degree. But the, the difference is, is that I had a really great support system. I had people that wouldn't let me give up on myself. I had people that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And they, and they would, you know, they would tell me. They would, you know, put it down in writing or put it down in a conversation where they would be like, Danae, yeah. you need to be thinking differently. You got to change your mindset. You got to think about the fact that you have these skills and abilities to to do the work. Um, you you just need to believe in yourself. And so for, for me, it was about yeah. confidence. It wasn't the fact that I couldn't do yeah. the work. It was the confidence factor. Yeah. And that's one thing that we really take into account. I know Danae and I uh, the, the importance of mentoring, mentoring not only you know people in NOAA, but reaching out to these college students who are, you know, one day could work for NOAA. We got to start early mentoring and let them know that there's a place for you here. And if you keep pushing, you can be here. You can keep going as far as you want to go. A lot of kids need to hear that. So, you know, don't wait until they get to NOAA to, you know, tell them that. 
we like to go to the school locally and tell them, hey, there's a career for you here. You can do it. We've seen people like you in this space succeed, and you could be yep. one of them. And that's 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 one of the reasons so, uh, why we yeah. started the DPA is because there wasn't yeah. necessarily a, a kind of a, an experienced uh, professional kind of space where we could connect together as NOAA professionals, but also to help yeah. to bring in that next generation. How do we connect the, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't want to say the old guard, but the more experienced folks that are in the agency with the younger folks that are coming yeah. into the agency so that, you know, there's, there's an established network of people that can support one another, that can really kind of exactly. build a pipeline of, you know, success. Because if you look at the at yeah. the DPA today, we got people from SES slash GS15 all the way down to probably, you know, a, a, a GS10, 9 yeah. as part of this group yeah. that need that need to know people that have advanced exactly. career so that they can model yeah. those kind of experiences. Yeah. And that's one thing that DPA, that's probably the most important thing that DPA has provided for me so far. It's connected me with so many people, you know, you know, uh, from who's been in NOAA so long, like you, who, you know, have been mentors to me, you know, not outside of my particular agency, outside of the National Weather Service. That's to know the inner workings of NOAA, to know, you know, NOAA leadership, to have those connections, to, you know, rely on these guys for information and advice. It's been, you know, a really great experience. And, you know, personally, I just want to thank you guys for, you know, getting a group like this started. Yeah, thank you for just being a part because not everybody feels like they need a support system to kind of navigate their career. Um, some people feel they can do it on their own. And I'm like, hey, go about it on your own if that's what you feel. But for me, it's the greatest benefit of DPA are the people that are part of DPA because you got people from NOS, you got yes. people from um, NIMS. You got people from the weather service, yeah. you got people from OAR that you can have a conversation with. You have access to them because you're part of this network. And I think the thing that we all have to remember as scientists, we're, we're analytical, we're thinkers, we're critical thinkers. We are um, skilled at, you know, communication. So we have a lot of different talents. Those different talents can translate yeah. over to different positions within the agency. So I, I never want people to think of, think that being a meteorologist means that you have to be a meteorologist for the rest of your career. You can you can be a meteorologist exactly. and work in 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 the National Ocean Service because there's people that have meteorology degrees that are oceanographers as well. And so, like for me, I'm I'm a meteorologist, but now I'm a program manager. I use the skills and talents of and the analytical thinking of being a meteorologist to be a better program exactly. manager so that I can fund the right science, so I can find the right science that can help to improve our forecast products and warnings. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing about NOAA. I mean, if you can, you can affect, you can uh, impact change from, you know, outside of a science standpoint. And those change makers, you know, program managers are always needed within NOAA. Absolutely. So uh, another question we got for, you know, uh, coming in, the, we talked about Howard and, uh, you know, being around, you know, how it's called a Mecca, Black Mecca, and you live in D.C. And you started in NOAA, you say you've been in NOAA for 18 years so far, but I'm pretty sure those first few years, it was a 
was a big switch coming from I know Janae and I Janae and I both went through it and still going through it. It's a big change from this HBCU culture where you're around, you know, a lot of people have a whole lot in common with and switching into Noah, which is still, you know, a very high percentage of white yep. males. So uh, what was the challenges like for you, you know, transitioning that transition period? Yeah, well well for me I was a student when I came in. Uh so I was a student for five years. I was getting my PhD at the time. I was part of the NOAA Educational Partnership Program. Um, they were paying for me to get my PhD. They moved me and my family out to Hawaii to work at the Honolulu Forecast Office, uh, which was part of the National Weather wow. Service. Uh, so I started my career out in the National Weather Service for, for at least the first 12 years of my career. Um, and so when you, wow. when you think about that, you know, National Weather Service, mostly white male, um, I think the one thing that kind of benefited me was to make sure I had somebody, you know, um, within the organizations that I worked in, whether that be Honolulu Forecast Office or the Environmental Modeling Center, where I eventually transitioned to in 2007, once I finished my PhD, um, I had, you know, I had people that I could talk to about, you know, what, it, what does it mean to be a professional? What does it mean to be a scientist at the Environmental Modeling Center? What kind of work do you do versus what kind of work, you know, um, I'm going to be doing. Yeah. And so I, I had people that and they were most they were white males. I had, you know, some other folks as well uh, that I could really lean on and ask just general questions to things that I just didn't maybe yeah. understand because I hadn't worked in that particular environment or I hadn't, you know, known anybody that worked in that particular environment, I really depended on, you know, the, yeah. those mentors uh, that were kind of part of my tribe yeah. to help me get acclimated. And, and the one piece of advice someone gave me is like, what's the one thing that you can provide to this organization that nobody else can provide? And so once I, once exactly. I figured out what that thing was that I provided to the environmental modeling center that nobody else really uh, could provide, then, you know, I felt more comfortable. I, I, continue to transition uh up or get promotions in my yeah. in my career um and you know i just i just started to look at you know life a little bit differently i, I gained that confidence uh, because there were so many people that that you know poured into me that you know told me that yeah. i could be doing this this thing or shared an opportunity for with me uh and i would put myself out there and not be afraid to just you know try and so, you know, I, I progressed from a GS9 uh, all the way up to a 13 um, uh, throughout my seven years uh, at the Environmental Modeling Center. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I love that piece of advice. You know, you say you always give, you know, someone gave you. That's also a piece of advice I love to give to, you know, students entering NOAA, uh, entering the weather service that, you know, that I worked with. That, hey, you don't have to wait until, you know, you learn everything. There's something in you that nobody else in here knows. And it's up to you to, you know, really expand on and teach the rest of the office and be a leader in that aspect, whether it's social media, uh, decision yep. support, uh, you're bringing in a whole new set of a whole new set of skill sets. Someone in an office probably doesn't have because they've been in there a while. You bring this outside perspective in. So go in and be a change maker from from day one. So that's yep. definitely a great Absolutely. piece of advice. I 100 percent agree with that. So, yep. you know, before we, you, we wrap up here, I just want, you know, to go back. I know. I've been told and, and, and read the history of DPA that, and you've touched on a little bit about the founding of DPA. So you can, can you kind of expound on what led to the founding of DPA? You know, what did you guys, you know, 
see in the agency and uh, what did you see DPA doing and benefit? How did you see DPA benefit in the agency? So uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what later. Yeah, so, so, you know, coming through NOAA's Office of Education, you get a chance to know all of the people that are part of the Office of Education. So you get a chance to know the director, the deputy director, the program managers that um, establish all of these programs uh, that build kind of a pipeline of students uh, and, and historically underrepresented students uh, into the agency. The problem with, with NOAA is that we, we, we support plenty of students. The problem is that we can't hire all of the students that we support. Yeah. So when you when you when you think about that, how do you how do you build a pipeline of you know highly educated? These are people with uh, masters and PhDs, so they can compete for the NOAA positions, right? And so when yeah. you when you, when you think about how do you transition them in, to me, it's about connections. It's about a network of people. Yeah. And so we, we founded the DPA, Michelle Hawkins and I, based on a conversation uh, with the deputy director of the Office of Education. Her name is Marlene Kaplan, or she was the deputy director at that awesome. time. And so we, you know, we just started to brainstorm, how can we build this connection? How can we build a pipeline of students? What do we do with the students? Who do we connect them with when they do come into the agency? Because it is uh, such a, a, a white, uh, male uh, oriented kind of organization how do how do we allow them to see themselves within NOAA that's why we established the DPA yeah. is because it is it, it is mostly you know African-American it's it is Hispanic it's it's the underrepresented groups and we've also uh, uh, gotten um, uh, white uh, people to join the the DPA as well and so so yeah we need to establish that connection and the DPA does that and it definitely yeah, so it. so when you when you think about the fact that there is this pipeline, these are people that are that are professionals that are GS twelve to fifteen uh, in 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 NOAA that you know these this next generation of students can get access to in terms of mentoring, in terms of coaching, in terms of uh, you know just having a coffee with them and just seeing people that look like yeah. them that have grown that that have uh, gone up and been promoted within the agency to me it it inspires that next yeah. generation like i know it i know that is. i can make it to this level because i seen Danae make it to this level yeah and he has yeah. my same background and yeah and i mean going back i mean you were one of the first people that i met working for headquarters well who worked for headquarters who i could see myself and like i can come in and have a conversation with you and see myself similar upbringing and people don't know how that kind of plays into the whole psyche of you know is this the right agency for me but you know talking to you talking to people like you talking to people like vankita you know who work at headquarters like cindy yep. woods who you really relate to i remember one of my first ams conferences and feeling so out of place uh no one there uh, hardly anyone there looks like me. No one talks like me. No one, you know, shares those similar interests where I can operate in that space. It makes it a whole lot more comfortable. The moment me and you had those conversations, we had a conversation. It's like, oh, this guy, I'm a, this guy sounds like my cousin. <laughs> I can have a conversation with him, and, you know, and not really have to, you know, talk in code per se. You know, we can, you know, talk about different issues. We got similar interests. He knows what the sun yep. boom is. So, you know, those similar connections mean a lot. And 
And we definitely, again, uh, speaking for all the members in DPA, we definitely are grateful for you and Michelle for starting this. And Michelle is definitely going to be our next guest on on uh, the 20% awesome. podcast. But before we get out of here, uh, last question to you is, what does the future of NOAA look like to you? And what must be done to continue, you know, I'm not going to say continue the strides that we've had in you know, improving the diversity in NOAA because there hasn't been much improvement over the last 30 years. There's been some improvement. Uh, depending on what metrics you go by. But overall, there hasn't been a, a lot of improvement, especially in the weather service in my field. So what do you think the future NOAA looks like for you? Uh, do you see NOAA, you know, improving on the diversity numbers, hiring more, you know, minorities? Because as we all come together, we only get a better agency the more diverse right. we get. So what does it look I like? I mean, to, to me, we got to continue to have really difficult conversations. Um, we can't yeah. sugarcoat the numbers. Exactly. People want to say, you know, diversity means diversity of thought and diversity of uh, where you come from in the U.S. And they want to get away from the fact that there aren't enough African-Americans, there aren't enough uh, Hispanics, there aren't enough Native Americans working within the agency that, you know, in, in, in 20 to 30 years is going to be, the, the population is going to be a minority kind of population where we're going to, you know, so we yeah. have to get ourselves prepared for that. And we have to have those kind of conversations. We need people to move up into leadership positions. You know, I, I hope to one day be in a leadership exactly. position uh, within the agency. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working towards that, but of course, you know, I, I have to continue to get the experiences, the necessary um, kind of background in order to show and prove that I can function at that kind of, at that kind of level. Yeah. And so um, I want to see more, you know, people uh, from underrepresented groups to, to move into those leadership or positions within agency. So, so, so how, how do we get up there? How, how do people, how, how, what's your advice to a, a GS 7, 9, 11, 12, you know, the, you know, to move up? What do you think? I think you, I think you gotta be willing to, to move around. You gotta be, um, uh, you got to be, in a sense, you got to be uh, mobile in, in that sense. You know, you got to yeah. be uh, a person that's willing to listen, a person that's willing to take chances, yeah. a person that's willing to volunteer for leadership positions when you don't know anything about what exactly you're going to be doing. All you know is that, oh, yeah. they need a lead for this particular project. I want to be that lead. And then in yeah, you got to learn on the fly. I mean, I, I was never a program manager yeah. before I became a program manager. So you, you, yeah. you, we have the skills. We just need the confidence to put yeah. ourselves out there and to, to, yeah, yeah, to, to take those opportunities as they present themselves. And, and you just got to be ready for the opportunity because people, people want to yeah. help each other in the agency. I, I believe that firm, firmly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely a service agency, and, you know, everybody is here to serve and help each other. If not, you know, this is not the job for you, and I agree with definitely a service agency. Yeah. So I want to see I want to see all of that happen. I want to see us continue to have those tough conversations, and I want to see us uh, absolutely recognize that, diver in, in some sense, diversity means that we need to have people from all different backgrounds as part of that conversation and not shy away from that. Yes. Exactly, because we'll always make, Noah makes decisions, especially with weather service, we make decisions not only for a certain group of people, we make decisions for the whole community. And if we don't have, you know, people in that office of that community, somebody's going to be left out if we're not, you know, actively 
thinking about, hey, this community may look at this product a little bit differently than the community that yep. we're used to and the community that we live in. Uh, the inner city, they may interpret this warning. They may interpret, you know, the wording of this warning one way. The Hispanic community uh, may interpret the wording of this uh, warning uh, uh, in a different perspective as yeah. we meant. So that's why it's so important to have, you know, diversity, you know, especially in these offices that are so outreach focused and these products go out to the public. So, yeah. And I'm, I am with you, man. I support your vision there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But man, uh, you got anything else you want to you want to tell everyone? No, nah, I'm just really uh, grateful for the opportunity to be a part of the podcast. You know, um, I, I I love Noah, I really do. I I would I could I've had many opportunities to leave the agency, um, but I yeah. my passion and my purpose I believe is is within the within Noah, and so you know I'm I'm yeah, de- I'm dedicated. I want to continue to engage. I wish I had even more time to engage with the younger folks. Um, yeah. But, you know, you know how it is. You got to get the work done yeah. or else, or, yeah. or else you you're not going to move done. up and, and get promoted. So I want to yeah. continue to. Yeah. You can help a whole lot of more people from the top than you can, you know, uh, mid-level or from yeah. the bottom. So I'm working on it and I want to get there and I want to continue to bring people along and, uh, I just, I appreciate the opportunity to share my story with you guys. Yeah. And, uh, Janae and I both thank you, you know, for joining us and it was a great conversation and, uh, just thank you again. She dropped off, but you know, she's telling me right now, make sure I tell Janae, thank you, but yeah, you've okay. been awesome. Uh, you shared a bunch of information with us. I uh, hope our listeners take some from it because I've definitely taken a lot from it and, uh, I'm probably gonna give you a call <laughs> uh, probably sometime this week to get a little bit bit more information from you man because you're you're full Sounds of gems. good so uh, again thank you thank you so much for thank you thank you john thank you janae